Well, it's a bit cold this morning, isn't it? Would you agree? Oh my gosh. Minus one, I think it was. Where are over this morning? Probably I heard somebody say it was minus two, minus three elsewhere. So it's, it's jolly cold at the moment. But we're snuggly warm here here at, um, in the auditorium, and my hope is that those of you who are online are snuggy, warm, or you know, rugged up in a, in a blanket or something on the couch. So, um, I'd like to start with prayer, if we could. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these cold, crisp, crunchy, um, but, but beautiful mornings, these winter mornings. Father, I thank you that we can see you in nature as we look around of a morning. But Father, today we want to hear from you. We'd like to hear your word. We'd like to hear you speak to us. So Father, I ask that you you divest of me. You get rid of me in this message, Lord. And I ask that you speak to everybody individually. In Jesus' name. (laughs) Okay, so this morning I'm going to ask you a question. It's, it's a very simple question. There's only three words, actually. Very simple. Who are you? Who are you? Who am I? It's a very simple question. And you think, well, on the surface, that's pretty easy to answer, isn't it? You know, I'm Tracy. And I know that because it came up on the screen earlier. <laughs> But we know who we are because of our name. And it's interesting. And I'm wondering if I'm right there. Is it our name that tells us who we are? Because names change. I'm Tracy Murford, but I used to be Tracy Gregson. And when I married the gorgeous Lee over here, I became Tracy Murford. And names are a funny thing. People can give us names, they can give us nicknames, and in Australia we're really good at nicknames, and sometimes those names aren't so good, are they? Now, that's right, I was, I was a nurse, and when I was working at the hospital, when I picked up the phone, I'd say, uh, Sister Murford speaking, so I was Sister Murford. Now, you can put two and two together, what happens with Australians, what do we do? We smish it all together, and I got the nickname Smurf. <laughs> I didn't like that nickname. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's a blue guy. Um, he has some serious breathing problems. <laughs> and he wore white. And if you, you can ask my mum, she's here today. I never wore white because I was filthy as a kid. I'd always get into trouble and I'd always be getting white, rather grey. So that wasn't me. It's not who I am. So I don't think names are really where we get to answer that question, who am I? So I think again, and I go, well, maybe it's our job. Maybe it's, it's, it's who I am is my job. You know, I'm a nurse. I'm also a teacher, though, so that's a bit confusing. And our title might give that away. Um, I think of Pastor Steve over here. Pastor Steve. So is that who he is? He's Pastor Steve. And Dr. Andrew over here is the doctor bit. Is that who he is? You know, I, I think no. I think, no, there are literally millions of people on this planet that do not have a title. I don't think your title is who you are. I don't think, in fact, your job is who you are. Because many people, especially since last year, don't have a job. So I I don't think we're quite on the mark there. 
So I think, I am, I am. I am Australian. That's who I am. I'm an Australian. I was born here, bred here. I'm an Australian. But genetically, I'm actually British. So maybe, maybe I'm not Australian. Um, both my mum and my dad were born in Britain. So really, I'm more British than Australian. So it's confusing. I think we're off the mark there too. So who am I? You know, I think we're probably more on the mark when we start talking about relationships. So our relationships with, our relationship with others. I am a daughter. I am a daughter to Ray and Doreen. I am a wife to Lee. I am a sister to Avril and to Lloyd. I am a mother to Scott and Jackie. So that's who I am in relation to others. But we're not quite right there, are we? Because not all of us have family. What I'd like to talk to you about today is about our identity and who we are. And you know what? I think our identity is actually embedded in our relationship with God. Okay, so the learning outcome from, for today, I'm a teacher, the learning outcome for today is for you to walk away knowing who you are. Okay, it's a big learning outcome, but let's see how we go. All right, so Jesus knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was. And he made this very clear to everyone around him when he was baptised. And I'd like to read to you from a little bit of scripture from the Bible, from Mark 1, 9 till 11, and um, show us what happened there. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptised by John in the Jordan. Jesus, oh, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn apart, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Wow, what a beautiful moment. When the father speaks, he makes Jesus' identity crystal clear. The loving relationship between him and his son is announced, and every no everyone knows that the father was well pleased with him the Holy Spirit came on him. The Holy Spirit comes to us also when we accept Jesus as our saviour. It's our seal of identity. Once we know who we are, we then have the confidence to go and tell others. We are God's child, we are God's little one. So last week, Steve introduced us very briefly to a guy called Saul. He was a persecutor. He was a Christian killer, not a very nice bloke at all. They also called him Paul, especially later on in the, in the New Testament. And he had an amazing transformation. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. But just before that, I'd like to give you a little bit of a background, some background information first, and I'd like to leave that to the experts. We're in the Game Changers series here, and we've got a little clip now um, about who was Saul.
was Paul like when he was Saul and before he had that experience in Damascus? You would think you had come across a religious, a religious fanatic as if he was uh, part of the uh, Judean version of Al-Qaeda. Okay, because this was a guy who, uh, who was uh, committed to the Jewish way of life, the tradition of the Pharisees. Uh, he thought he was pretty much blameless under the law. You know, he was, you know, he was excelling in the traditions of the elders. And he says he was filled with zeal. And zeal doesn't mean just bucket loads of enthusiasm. Zeal means a willingness to engage in holy violence, to protect God's reputation and to protect the purity and the sanctity of the people of God. He came to target one particular group, followers of Jesus, the Nazarenes, you know, the followers of the way. Eventually they'd be called Christians. He targeted them because he believed they were a rogue cult. He wanted to completely nullify them as a movement. Now, whether that meant suppressing them, scattering them, imprisoning them, beating them, or in some cases, even killing them. Um, this was a guy who really believed uh, that the end justifies the means. Well, he was a pretty ugly character, wasn't he? That was Saul. But let me tell you something about what happened to Saul, this amazing transfer, uh, transformation that I was telling you about. One day, Paul was walking along, him and his Christian killer mates, um, along the dusty road to a place called Damascus. So he was heading towards Damascus. And there was a light, a light from heaven flashed out and it knocked him over. It knocked him to the ground. And again, we hear a voice from heaven. And the voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? said Saul. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now Jesus had already ascended to heaven. So Saul got up and it didn't take him very long to realise that he was totally blind. He couldn't see. So him and his mates, they went into Damascus and he didn't eat and he didn't drink for three days. Meanwhile, in the city, there was another guy there. There was another guy called Ananias. And I hope I've pronounced that right. Ananias. Ananias was a, a Christian, a new Christian, and God also spoke to him. He spoke to him in a vision. And he said, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul, and I want you to put your hands over his eyes, and I want you to restore his sight. Well, you can imagine what Ananias thought. You've just heard all about Saul. So he was pretty freaked out by this, and um, God knew this. So God said to him, he said, go. He said, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. Go. The Gentiles were the ordinary people. They were the non-Jews. So Ananias went, he was obedient. And he placed his hands on Saul's eyes and these things called, like scales fell off and, and uh, Saul could see. He spent several days there, but prior to that, you know what he did actually? Come back again, take a step. The moment he, his sight was restored, he got up and he was baptised. What a change. 
He, he stayed for several days with the disciples and he learnt about Jesus and the way. And you know what he did then? He went out and he preached. This guy preached. He was a persecutor and now he's a preacher. That was an amazing transformation. And people took notice because they knew his reputation. The Christian killer was preaching. Do you know what that response was? It was exactly what Jesus' last words were. He was witnessing to Judea, Samaria and all the earth. That's what Saul, now Paul, was doing. So what did he preach? I wonder what he preached. Well, he had three key messages, three key things that he wanted to get through to others. And the first one was that Jesus came for all humanity, without exception, without exception. And again, I'd like you to hear from the experts on this. So let's hear from a scholar, Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, I think Carl cleared that up in an earlier uh, message. So Tom Holland is going to speak now um, on this message, Jesus came from all humanity. So Tom, Paul, what did he write and say that was so significant for the time? Paul is, is absolutely the key figure in the emergence of the form of Christianity that, that, that the world today is the heir, heir to. Um, and his the decisive teaching that, that, that he argues for and uh, successfully incubates within the infant church is the idea that Christ died for all of humanity, so not just for the Jews, and that the law of Moses, therefore, in a sense, has been superseded. So Paul, it, in a famous phrase, says that there is no Jew or Greek. Mm. And this idea that difference is dissolved, that Christ has come for the whole of humanity, is a fusion of Jewish specificity and Greek cosmopolitanism. It fuses the idea that there is a covenant that God, in a sense, has entered into a close personal relationship with, with all the world. And this is a, a, a fusion of Jewish and Greek ideas that in Paul's letters will have the power to shape and transform the world. Wow. You know what I take from that, the thing that really hangs around in my mind? Difference is dissolved. It's gone. Paul made it his mission to preach primarily, not to the Jews, as they said, but to the Gentiles, to the non-Jews, the ordinary folk. And this was a huge change from, from what he was doing before. He was a, a zealot, a, he, which is a fancy name for a religious academic. That's what he was, but not now. Talking to the everyday people actually sent a very clear non-verbal message that everyone, not just a select few, is who God wants to enter into a personal relationship with. God is not a cherry picker. God does not go, oh, I want that one, but I don't like that one. 
That one looks all right, but oh, yeah, I think I'll have that one. That's not God at all. He wants everybody. So there was a second message. Now, that second message that Paul preached as he moved out and across to the ends of the earth was that Jesus offers a new identity, not just new behaviour. The focus of Paul's message of Jesus is not about changing behaviour. That will come. Come as you are. That will come. The focus is on knowing who we are, that we are in a relationship with a living God, the God of the universe. And when we know that, then our behaviour will change. You know... When we're part of a team or part of our workplace and we have pride in in where we work, we have pride in our team, um, we often wear an emblem or a logo and we don't want to let that team down. When we're part of a family and people know that we're part of that family because of our family name, we don't want to let that team down. That's part of it. Our behaviour is different, isn't it, when we wear the team or the logo. So when we wear Jesus, when we wear Jesus and we're bold and we're proud of who we are, we don't want to let, we don't want to let our daddy down, do we? That's what we do. Our behaviour changes. Now, Paul wrote many letters or, or books, they're called now. Uh, one in particular was to a city called Ephesus. So the book is called The Ephesians. And you know, he devoted the first three chapters to character formation. That's how important it was to him. He talked about how we've been adopted, we've been included, we've been brought near, that we're members of God's household, that we are heirs along with the rest of Israel. He is telling the people, his listeners, who they are. And he's telling us too that message is just as important to us. He's telling us who we are. It's answering that question that I asked earlier on. Who am I? We are God's creation and we are his. And we can choose this new identity as his child, his heir. We can take on his name. In chapters 4 to 6, he goes on and he, he talks about the behaviour that comes with that. And I, feel free to pick that up and read it. It's a really good read. Paul also talks to um, the Corinthian church, to Corinth, and he says something very special. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, he says these words, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. Wow. Special, isn't it? It's his second message. But there was a third message. And that third message, um, he says, is that the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything, not just individual lives. The good news of Jesus changes everything. And this message is truly a game changer. And that's what this series is all about. The message of Jesus is a game changer. And let me read briefly from a transcript of a small segment in the Game Changer series. 
It is an interview with a guy called Mark Knoll. A really good sociologist, Rodney Stark, now at Baylor University, has made the very persuasive and interesting thesis. Early Christianity spread, yes, because the message was effective, yes, because the person of Jesus is attractive, but perhaps mostly because Christians were simply there. In a not very well organised way and a not too systematic way, Christians were simply there to do acts of kindness, humanity, outreach. They outreached to people in a way that Roman culture really didn't smile favourably on. And that kind of person to person, group to group outreach. So that's what Mark Knoll says that the gospel has the power to change the way that we view others, the way that we treat others, the way that we care for others and include others. When we know who we are, the behaviour follows. This message is the very power of God at work amongst us. In Romans 1, 14 to 17, it is written... It is the power of God, not the deliverer, that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Only God transforms lives. We can't. I can't. No matter how badly or how well we behave or try to convince others, none of it has any power whatsoever. It is the power of God. It is the power of God the message itself that is able to transform and change lives, the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to summarise now those three key messages. The first is that the message of Jesus is for everyone. The second is the message of Jesus offers a new identity. And thirdly, that the message of Jesus is a game changer. It changes everything. You know what, I wonder what Launceston would look like or if your home, what your home would look like if you're listening from somewhere else. What would it look like if we took Jesus seriously and asked him to show us, to tell us who we are? Wow. What if differences were dissolved and we loved others regardless of their skin, of their accent or their funny little ways? What if we did that and we welcome people no matter what? What if we ignored the labels, the nicknames, and we loved others despite whose daughter they are or whose son we are or whose father we are? What if we did that? What if we radically forgave people in a way that made others look twice? You know what, this was happening in the first century and it is happening right now. You hear things on the news, don't you, about people radically forgiving. And you go, what? Why did they do that? You know what, they did that because they know who they are. They knew who they are. The behaviour followed. Okay, so I'm going to pray now. And I sense that there are many people listening here today who actually do know who they are. And this behaviour is following. They're doing amazing things. 
they're being there for others. But I also sense that there may be people here today and there may be people listening online who still aren't quite sure who they are. Well, my, my job is done. I can do no more. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God himself to speak to you and to show you who you are in this prayer. On a side note, if he does that, please don't keep it to yourself. I haven't actually asked, but I'm sure there will be people available that can listen to you and can pray with you if that's what you want. Okay, bow in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, hear our prayer. Lord, we have heard from your word today and we want to hear from you now. Father, I ask you to show us a picture of who you are, of a loving dad, not our earthly dad, our heavenly dad, Abah, Daddy. We are children in your, your eyes. We are small and dependent. Help us to see you reach out your arms and to call to us. Come near. Come near, little one. Come climb up into my lap. Let me hold you close. Can you feel the warmth and the security of my arms around you? Father, let us lean in and listen. Let us hear your voice as you start to speak and maybe as you start to sing. Slow, low. Father, I am yours, not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. I am yours, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. You are God. I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be scared anymore. I am yours. I am yours. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, everybody. Um, I'd like to acknowledge that some of the words in that final prayer were actually from a beautiful song. So from a beautiful song called Who Am I? by um, a group called Casting Crowns. And we now have something very, very special for you to listen and to see. Thank you. <laughs>